0: Hi, welcome to The Cottage. We are a lively outpouring of an exciting adventure into God's riches glories in Christ Jesus. We really work to activate an excitement for the kingdom of God as it is in the now until it comes into its fullness. We invite you to our sessions to explore the heights and depths of God's love in a fuller bandwidth. I'm Dr. Ken, the pastor of a small independent church seeking to return to the Lord's zeal in times where apathy and lethargy rule the day of the complacent. We try to shake things up and offer a temporary home as we travel this sod until we reach higher ground and connect into the everlasting life from above here on the earth as it is in heaven. For more information, you can email us at thecottage at DKEN.cc. That is thecottage at d-k-e-n dot Hi, welcome back to the cottage. We're going back to Genesis to cover from the beginning this concept of the days of creation as an overview ahead of our morning
1: message. I want to go back to Genesis. I want to do a little bit of an overview on the days of creation in Genesis one to set up this morning's message. So in day one of Genesis chapter one verses three to five, God initiates time by when he separates the light from the darkness. In day two, in verses six to eight, God inaugurates weather when he separates the waters above from the waters below, establishing again a place that he's trying to bring about fulfillment. In day three, in verses nine through thirteen, God institutes food. He separates the earth from the waters that were below. And the earth emerges like in new birth. And we all know that like babies come with the passing of water. It kind of models what happened with Moses crossing the Red Sea out of Egypt. And Joshua crossing the Jordan River into the Promised Land. And then John the Baptist bringing us baptism. As we enter into the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. The focus on day three is on the land. So in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth, the land. And it's focused then on the land. And obviously Genesis chapter 2 is going to take that land. And do a lot of remarkable things in it. We know chapter 2 verse 7. God takes that land, that earth. And he breathes his life into it. And we get humans. Humanity. Humankind. So in three days... God establishes spaces, or dwellings, and then in the subsequent, in those three days, so that's days 1, 2, and 3, then in days 4, 5, and 6, it goes back to those exact spaces, those dwellings, and He organizes and fills those spaces with their prospective dwellers. So it's kind of interesting how this is all set up for us in Genesis chapter 1. Kind of reminds me of what Jesus says in John 14, too, when he says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. God, in new creation, Christ has gone to prepare a place for us where we can be with God. So... That's what's happening in the Genesis account of creation. And Jesus is modeling that in new creation by preparing the place. So in six days, everything is in place. And then God creates us and plants us. You know, like He planted the garden, but then He, puts, he plants Adam in that garden. So he's preparing a place for us. So that we can have fellowship with God and with one another. To love God. To love each other. So, if we look at it all, we have time, weather, and food. So we have the light, the firmament, the waters, the dry land appears, and vegetation. The basis for all life. Then we have light in day one. We correspond with day four, the light bears. We have... The firmament, then we have the flying creatures. We have the waters, then we have the water creatures. We have the dry land, then we have the land animals, and of course the vegetation. And then, out of the earth, life comes in the form of the vegetation, but seeds, but also out of the earth, God creates humans, humankind in His image. And then day seven, God ceases, because everything is set in its place. It's not like God needs to sleep or anything. It's just that it's all set up. It's kind of like a king establishes his kingdom, and then he sits on his throne, and now he's ready to rule. He sets up his government. In January, that's what happens. They set up the new government, they get all the cabinet members in place, and then they begin to rule. The election cycle is over, and now they're supposed to get to work. We often think of rest in Genesis 1 as the opposite of work. Actually, it's not. That's where work can begin. So what we have here is God establishes time, he pointed times, times He's He's setting aside times. So you have the sun, the moon, and the stars, and you're going to use those to guide you in a calendar, so that we can have times to meet. Now I told you last Sunday that uh, Teresa and Jubilee had to go to school, and again I mentioned Jubilee's done with her. Kidney medicine, so you can take her off too, the prayer list. But they had to go to school on Christmas Day because they've already got all these other appointed times to take off school where they're supposed to be with their family and with worship with gods in Nepal. So there's appointed times via these appointed, anointed vessels. He's, he's tying it to all these things, so we have the, the creatures and we have the vegetation. But it's all to align and join these spaces where we can come together with God. We can come together with God. You can see that in the sacrificial system of the grain offerings and the animal sacrifice. The very things made on those days. So God appoints times with Moses to come to all the people will gather at these times and come to the temple or the sanctuary, the tabernacle, the appointed place, I set up an appointed place where I put my name. Then you will come at the appointed time and then you will take the grain offerings and you will have the animal sacrifice. Amazing. This is all ties together. And the whole purpose gets back down to what I keep saying in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10 where Jesus says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it is in heaven where heaven and earth come together as one. Because God wants To dwell with His people. That's what happened when the Word was made flesh. When Jesus became human. God and humanity in one space. And God is walking around the earth in sandals. He's walking around. He's walking on the water. (laughs) He's eating. He's doing so many wonderful things. You know, And so, it's amazing that that happened, where God, and it's all because God wants to have fellowship with us. And we lost that fellowship. Douglas Knight, an Old Testament scholar, puts it this way. I rephrase some of his terminology here because there's a lot of Hebrew and technical terms here. But basically, he says, in my words, that Yahweh creates the world in a state of righteousness that results in peace. He Sets up a state. He orders everything in those six days so that we can get to the seventh day, the day of peace, where there's peace with each other and everything is peaceful. I was told by my nephew uh, yesterday that my other nephew, his older brother, is studying ecology. You know, And there's supposed to be a lot of jobs around ecology. I'm not sure how that works. The harmony of how all of creation comes together and we can be at peace with all of creation. Any act of sin or injustice introduces discord and it shatters that peace. Therefore, restoration requires an act of justice to reestablish the righteousness to bring it back, to swing the scales back to equilibrium. Justice is not merely punishing the guilty, but it also involves restoring the victim to participation in the community. Only when all All are able to enjoy the fullness of life in the community. Does righteousness reign? Where everyone is able to participate. And my participation does not conclude yours. Does not preclude yours. It discludes you. In other words, I can participate fully, but at the same time, I don't go so far that my participation would not allow you to participate. Whether we can all participate in community. And that's how he describes Genesis from the beginning. What God set up. That's the Hebrew ideology of what they understood in those seven days. Going to Isaiah 32 verses 17 and 18. It says in sure places and in quiet resting places. God wants to set up sure dwellings. In sure dwellings. In quiet Resting places. God wants to give us a rest. And that's kind of like what we're here for. We kind of got things mixed up, I guess. I'm not sure. Sunday's supposed to be a day of rest, right? (laughs) Does that mean we come here and experience God's peace or we (laughs) sleep in? (laughs) I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm going to get to church next Sunday because I got so far to go. I mean, it's going to be a long trip. If you don't see my car next Sunday, maybe the rapture happened. So, the idea of rest, of peace, and that's why we want to have church, to have this place where we can have with each other fellowship and those wonderful business meetings after church to discuss Sherlin's morning routine, and then we can have fellowship with God. As I prayed in the opening prayer, there are myriads and myriads surrounding the throne in fellowship with God. And then there are people around the world. I mean, New Zealand has already dropped the ball. They've already celebrated New Year's. So, you know, it's already happened. So we join in all of that communion and fellowship. And the interesting... Terminology, and I taught you this before, but I got to go back to this. This same idea, this resting places, is the Hebrew word mincha. Just happens to be my wife's name in Nepali, but it's not related. Her name and her Nepali name, birth name is Minika. Just happens to be the same pronunciation, but they don't mean obviously the same thing. But it's amazing. Menachah is this rest that we're supposed to have on on this the seventh day. But everything has been organized and now it's, it's, it's just set to go. It's like, you know, what do they play these football games? Is that what this weekend's all about? I don't even know anymore. Whatever, you know, everything's set, the game's ready to go, and now we just play the game. Or we just sit back and watch the game. That's the idea. It's not that it's rest that we sleep or oversleep or never mind. Anyway, it's the idea that now it's all ready to go. We, now we can commence with, with God's program. Now it can happen. All the preparations have been made, and now we can have the party in the annex. Because everything is done. Everything's decorated. Everything's been bought. Everything's been cooked. Everything's done. I've had my bath. I've had everything. And now I'm ready to go to the program. That's the idea of, di- of this day seven. Of the Shabbat is now I can enjoy fellowship with God and with each other that's the central core ideology and that we participate where everyone is able to participate without limitation it goes back to Isaiah chapter 66 verse 1 thus saith the Lord the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool where is the house that you will build unto me you want to build me a place, I'm trying to establish you place. Jesus says, I go to prepare for you place. Why? Because heaven is my throne, but earth is my footstool. I want heaven and earth to be connected. And that's what they did. The priest was going into the Holy of Holies because that was a connection point between God and heaven and here upon the earth. That's what Sinai was when God came down and touched the mountain that Hebrews talks about. We went through that passage so many times in Hebrews 12 this year. That the, the author of Hebrews says, We don't have Mount Sinai. We got something far better. We got full access to heaven itself. We don't have to go through sacrificial animals. We don't have to go through a high priest unless you talk about Jesus. The access that we have is incredible to think about. So the Lord says, If heaven is my earth, uh, throne and my earth is my foot, what would you, Bill, be? <laughs> and yet God still wants. To be with his people. We talked about that last Sunday. That a son is given. A child is born. And we talked about new birth. And how God gave a son. But he's also interested in us. us, And giving us to this world as a gift. So the rest of the world can experience. This wonderful thing. And where is the place of my rest? Where is my menachah? And that's what I've been asking. (laughs) Where is my wife? (laughs) You know, God's going through the garden going, Adam, where are you? We're supposed to meet. And Adam's hiding, you know. Well, I'm looking for my wife. Where is my amen? So that I can have peace, so I can have rest, so that I can do the ministry that God's called me to do here and continue on. So God is saying, where is this place? of rest. Now it's kind of like what we did Wednesday night for those of you who are here Wednesday night. He's asking where is it at in the sense of not like God doesn't know. Like Adam where are you? Like God doesn't know where Adam's at. But he's asking where is this place so that we can actually meet? I I want this place to happen. I want us to meet. All those that aren't here this morning where are they at? Where would they rather be than in the house of God meeting with God and meeting with God's people? Where are they at? So visitors we have, guests that come from time to time. They come briefly, but where are they at? Are they with God? Because God wants to dwell. He wants to be Emmanuel, God with us. So where are they at? Because that's what God wants. Where is this place that we can meet? I designed everything from the beginning. I designed all these spaces and all these places so that they would rule the time so you would know what time it is so you would come and be on time. You don't want to miss dinner at our house because if you did, if you were late, there would be no food. It would all be eaten up. And God's like, He doesn't want you to miss the fellowship with Him and His people missing the time in His Word, the time to pray, to pray, to ask God for all these blessings over these prayer requests, to ask God to be a part of these people's lives, and how we can then be a part of these people's lives. How it is that we can fellowship with them? It all goes back to Genesis chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3. Thus the heavens and earth were finished. That's why He stops. It's all finished. All the preparations have been made. Now God says, now I'm going to back away and now you carry it forward. Where God says, I'm the quarterback, I guess, and throws the ball and now the ball is in your hand. You've got to go score the touchdown. Everything's finished. And all the host of them that we talk about, the heavenly host, all that. Everything's completed. God has finished it all. He has these two families that we keep talking about—the earthly family and these hosts in heaven. And on the seventh day, God ended His work, which He had made. He's—he doesn't—he's not doing any more as far as making any more preparations. He's prepared it all, and He rested. He ceased. He stopped. Not that He's tired or retired. Is God retired? Is He on a pension plan? God has ended his work, which he'd made, and he rested in the seventh day from all his work, which he's made, because it, everything's there. It's all good. It's all in place. And he's expecting it to go forward as he intended. And God blessed the seventh day, and he sanctified it. He said, I want you to remember that. I want you to come back every week. And I want you to enter into this rest. I want to be. Take, take a break from everything. And just enjoy your family. Enjoy everything you have. That's one of the biggest things that we're striving to do as modern humans. Is the fact that enjoying what we got. Billionaires want to be trillionaires. <laughs> it's not enough. When do you ever sit back and just enjoy and be grateful for what you do have? Grateful that we did get up this morning. As I mentioned, that my high school basketball coach, which I didn't play basketball, but he passed away last night, 90 years old, having a full life, but passed away. You know, so he's not going to church this morning on earth, but he's he's up there. He's up there. But see, do we enjoy what we have? What we have sanctified it because he had rested from all of his work, which God had created and made. He sanctified it. He said, I've done it. Now I'm going to give you six days a week to go out and create. For you to do. For you to make. That's what he wanted from Adam and Eve. He wanted Adam and Eve to go out of Eden, out of the garden, and to turn, make the rest of the earth just like Eden. That's what his plan was for them. They're hiding in the middle of the garden. He's like, what are you doing there? You're supposed to be going out missionally. And when they fall, he still sends them back out by his grace saying, I still want you to go. It's going to be harder. The work that you have to do still needs to be done. And now it's going to be much harder than initially it would have been had you just gone out. And taking what you had from Eden and taking it out into the world and planting the seed. And we model that every week. We're supposed to be six days about whatever that we're doing to make life outside these walls experience the kingdom of God. In what we're doing. And then we come in here on our day that we've chosen as a Sabbath to then rest and enjoy the fruit of our labors. To be with our family. To go out. To have our business meeting and then have our luncheon. (laughs) Wherever it is you go. If it's BK. Oh, anyway. (laughs) But to enjoy. To enjoy all and be thankful for all and to participate with one another, with our families and with our Father who art in heaven and just experience the richness. That's why Jesus said, yeah, it's alright if you want to do things on the Sabbath. But what are you doing? What's the purpose? What's the heart behind it? Well, they got legalistically tied up into it. And Jesus said, no. You're supposed to reach your fellow man and his need on the Sabbath. Why wouldn't you? That's exactly what God intended. So someone who is struggling to make it through on the sabbath you help them by giving them a helping hand and then they can enter into the rest that Hebrews 4 talks about entering into that rest and that's what Jesus was talking about and the pharisees couldn't get it because they were making a bunch of rules of course they had their bucket that they were carrying of dirt around so because they could only be so many feet from the dirt of their house on the sabbath so they just kept carrying the dirt and you know they they made all these legalistic rules It was terrible. Okay? The stories that we hear. It was terrible. Because they still wanted to get whatever they wanted. And they were missing the spirit of the law. So caught up in the letter of the law. And so I wanted you to understand this is the basis. This this peace. Going back to uh, Douglas Knight. That Yahweh created the world in a state of righteousness resulting in this peace. Shalom. Is the Hebrew, but we know that sin and injustice shatters that peace, and we need restoration through justice to reestablish that justice. And it's not just punishing the guilty, and that's unfortunately, and that's what I was talking to my neighbor about yesterday. You know, we get this fascination with punishing the guilty, but we're not restoring all to full participation. And I love this final sentence. Only when all enjoy the fullness of life in the CUNY does righteousness truly reign. Everyone must be able to, even the guilty party, must be able to be restored. And that's the forgiveness of sins and that's what Jesus offers at the cross. And it's a powerful way to understand what God originally intended and then what all happened, but how he keeps repurposing by getting us back toward that original righteousness to experience it as God always intended and have that peace to bring about that peace and so we're going to talk about that in the morning message about this peace this peace this place that God wants us to inhabit and be at peace with him and with one another so everyone flourishes that is the vision that God has for us and that's what he's calling for And that's why a big theme of Christmas is peace on earth. And that's what he's talking about. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this understanding of how at the very beginning you establish peace. And we are seeking that peace. And the only way to get there is through acts of justice, justification. Whereby we bring forth and insert into a place justice to restore righteousness to bring back the peace through the forgiveness of sins through your grace for us to experience life as you intended it and so help us father to understand that that we participate in your peace by participating in you and with one another and enjoying so that all can fully participate and none are inhibited and none are overzealous that their participation would cause another to be unable to participate but that we are all freed to fully participate so that as Paul said in Ephesians 4 every joint supplies to the edification of the entire body so that everything flourishes and everything is able to fully enjoy this state of peace and righteousness That's what we long for across the world. There's war in Ukraine and Russia. There's war in Gaza and Israel. There's war everywhere. There's hatred even in America. There's hatred and there's strife among people that have differences of opinions that cause us to have this discord. And Father, you desire us to be in harmony so that everyone can flourish. That none are left behind. But all can participate fully. That's the vision that you've set forth from the beginning. And we want to experience that. Help us to experience that in a special way and understand what it truly means to enter into all that you have for us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Hallelujah.
0: Amen. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast. You can find out more about us at dken.cc. That's d-k-e-n dot We look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you.